0: Welcome to the Source Wheel Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Royston, and this is where we dive in and dive under, go beyond. We try to get past the superficial in life and get to what uh, has no material substance, but has substance nonetheless, the spiritual life, the metaphysical, the supernatural, um, that which for many of us holds so much meaning. And this is diving in from a, not necessarily a secular perspective, but recognizing a secular perspective, not trying to proselytize, promote, persuade, convince, but to join and to reach and to search and seek, Um, which is not to find, but it's just finding joy in the seeking in the reaching, in the searching, um, and doing it together. So thank you. Uh, This must resonate with you, um, which is why you're tuning in. So thank you for tuning in. And thank you for being the kind of person that both wants to get more and give more to life than just what's on the surface. I'd like to start a new tradition with every episode right before we get in to the topic right before we meet our guest. If we're having a guest, I'd like us all to just stop and take a few deep breaths together. So if you're ready, let's begin. Inhale. And exhale. In. And out. Last one. And out. All right. Thank you. Let's get started. Um, Okay. I I don't know your bio well enough to introduce you, but I want to welcome you to the Source Wheel podcast, and I want to tell people your name is Barbara DeRubin, and I want you to introduce yourself. Would you do that?
1: Yeah, of course. So my name is Barbara. I am 23 years old. I reside in Los Angeles and I am very interested in divination. I currently practice tarot. I connect with the Akashic Records and I am a student of life and I'm here to reconnect with Chip. I hold you so dearly to my heart, Chip, and I'm really excited to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh my goodness! Thank you for saying that. Um, for those of you who don't know me personally, most people call me Chip. I've been calling myself Charles in the podcast, so if there's anything there, I'm both. I'm both people, <laughs> and uh, it's a delight to have you. Um, I want to ask you about your earliest sense of the supernatural. I'm wondering if you can. Recall an early moment where you felt like, oh, we're not alone here, or there's something beyond the veil. I'm wondering if you can share a bit like, how did this all start for you?
1: Yes, of course. So, for myself, I feel that I've always had a connection with what's beyond, but I feel that through my life experiences, I blocked a lot of that out. And so, I have a very hard time recalling events from my early childhood. I have a very hard time remembering experiences from that time period but I do have some some pictures of myself as a kid and I would put uh, little gemstones those those gemstones with the sticky part on the back and I would put that on yeah. my third eye I would uh, experiment with you know in the restroom get the shaving cream and the toothpaste and make potions and mix them up and and do things like that um so those are my early experiences of of just through play exploring the divine and exploring the metaphysical, but I think when I became aware was when my grandfather passed away in 2015 was the first time that I really was able to be conscious and aware of what is beyond the realm, and having someone on the other side of, of this physical realm really was what provided the opportunity for me to further connect and explore that part of myself.
0: Wow, Barbara, thank you for sharing that. There was both the tenderness and the innocence of your childhood recollections, but then the uh, divine rev- reverent energy when you shared about your grandfather. Is he does he come and go or is he a constant present in your in your life now?
1: He's a constant present. And I hadn't really thought about it that way because he's not physically here anymore. But I do consistently feel his presence. I consistently ask him for help. I check in with him and visit him. And I feel that his spirit is always with me, definitely. He is my guardian angel and he protects me and guides me every single day.
0: Well, I'd like to say hello to your grandfather then.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that, Chip. I'm sure he'd be happy to meet you.
0: <laughs> well, I have a fondness for my grandfather, but I, even though he was a devout Christian and a great role model as a Lutheran Christian, um, I don't consider him a spiritual father or grandfather. Um, that's interesting. I had my, one of my first kind of crossover experiences with my actual father, my biological father, who I didn't grow up with after Mm -hmm. he passed. And I don't think I've shared this with my audience, but after he passed away, as the next of kin, I was left with his affairs. And one of the things that I had to use to close his accounts was his laptop. And in his laptop, he had a of his passwords, which made it very easy for me to close his affairs. But when I closed the laptop and put it away and then tried to reopen it and use it, it none of the passwords worked. So my wife, who's also very spiritual and very tuned to um, divination, she said, ask him. And I, at that time, rolled my eyes, thought, what's the use, that's not gonna work. But I did it. I sat down, closed my eyes, Didn't even formulate an actual series of words. I just opened the channel and I heard the word Targa. Heard it, felt it, saw it. All those could describe how it came. It just came through and I tried it. It didn't work. I felt relieved. But then I heard the nudge. I heard the nudge to type capital T-A-R-G-A and that was his password. And that was a moment for me that even, even as I share this raises the chicken skin all over my, my arms and legs.
1: For that, I can only share what I experienced and it honestly was not a a conscious effort. It was not something that I was seeking at the time. I honestly set myself in the mindset of not being in a relationship and not pursuing that actively. I felt that every time that I did pursue it actively, I would end up in things that were abusive or draining, or I would create an illusion of who I thought that person was, or who I wanted them to be, rather than just experiencing them for who they were. Wow. So that's, honestly, I think it's a matter of just, I don't want to say being selfish with yourself and well, being a,
0: keep, but... keeping your energy within is what you'd said. I, mm-hmm. That word selfish has a lot of baggage, but yeah, I know I know you don't mean it with any bad baggage. I know that it was a good thing for you. I can really hear that.
1: Mm-hmm. And it
0: sounds like something we call in therapy, we call the paradoxical intervention, where you propose the opposite thing to create the conditions for the thing.
1: Yeah, that sounds spot on. Yeah, that's exactly it. I did everything the opposite and then it ended up happening for me. And I didn't realize what deep healing I was doing in that process. But I really I know that due to that deep healing was what allowed me to be able to come into union with someone
0: Yeah, I mean, the selfish thing that you say, I think that one way to phrase it is that you came into union with yourself first. Yeah. And that's what makes union with another possible true individuation. Yeah, Yeah.
1: exactly. I did the work that I needed to do with myself first, and I was in relation with myself that I had, I felt that I had abandoned myself for a really long time prior to that period of celibacy, and I. I knew I needed to reconnect and and take care of myself in that sense so definitely it was a relationship with myself prior to to coming into union with another.
0: Now, you said that that what you, your first steps were celibacy were did, were there rituals that you did in conjunction with taking care of that uh, relationship with yourself?
1: At first I I hadn't really explored the realm of ritual. The only experiences that I had at first I guess could be considered ritual was uh, I did try psilocybin and I did um, do a few shrooms trips uh, over the time span after that celibacy period and and that summer that I was right before getting into a relationship so that did really help as well it gave me a completely new perspective on life that I I don't think those doors would have opened for me the same way or as soon if I had not.
0: What a what a perfect way to kick off season three is to get the host to admit to have done mushrooms. <laughs> 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 so we're having I know mushrooms. I didn't want to expose you. <laughs> <conversation>. <laughs> well but we're having that conversation and I can't something I'm committed to is being authentic in the here and now. So mm-hmm. if that comes if that comes up then that's my divine guide telling me it's the right time. So I don't feel exposed. Um, I feel invited. And not just by you, but by the opportunity that that there is a lot of research. There have been just eons of indigenous people using plant medicines. I believe very strongly that plant medicines are beautiful and that can be used well. In fact, I'm excited to see that there's movement and doing research with plant medicines and psychotherapy and i think that this is going to be the future not for everybody obviously but certainly where where spiritual wounds um spiritual recall um soul recall those kind of things i mean absolutely assisted by psychedelic drugs psilocybin is one of them um but there are many i'm glad you had those i can I cannot tell you how many times I've had them over the years, um, but they have always been marked with 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 a flavor of spirituality.
1: Yes, definitely. And from my experience, every trip is a different lesson. And it's always the right lesson at the right time. And I feel that what needs to surface always surfaces. But I do want to emphasize that thorough research is needed before hand and before embarking on anything that involves drugs and involves plant medicine as well. And I know there has been a lot of research with psychotherapy, and I've been keeping up to date with most of that. And I'm I'm very excited for that shift as well. And I know there's a lot of emerging therapists that are exploring those options. And I'm looking forward to becoming more accessible.
0: Yeah. And we can say these disclaimers and say, you know, do the research and be careful, but people are going to just go out and do what they're going to do. That's, that's what we did at first. Probably.
1: Yeah. that is. Yeah.
0: So, you know, so it's going to go well for most people. And then there's always that person that it's not going to go well for. And, mm-hmm. you know, and that's a sad case because it feels like a, an opportunity lost. Um, but, but timing, I would say the timing is important. Have if I was to add advice to, to what you're, we're both saying here is, is that this is a good thing that we would endorse is to have and have a relationship with your daily divination. In other words, recognize signs and, and sigils and recognize, you know, numbers mm-hmm. recognize prompts from the divine on the mm-hmm. daily that are signposts to guide you to, 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 to synchronicity so that, You feel that it's a confirmation from divine rather than your idea, you know, only because if it's your idea only, only then then I smell ego trap, you know?
1: Yeah, and I feel that that's very easy to fall into when it comes to psychedelics. I feel that initially my journey kind of did guide me towards the ego and thinking that only I had these big revelations and these big experiences, <laughs> and now I'm I, now that I have built more community within spirituality and I have met more people, even people that aren't directly involved in tarot and whatnot and crystals. They all have their own experiences as well and their own encounters with the divine, which have really humbled me.
0: Let's talk about tarot. Um, I. I'll share just a quick bit, but then I, I want you to ramp up and tell us a whole bunch. Um, I have a complicated relationship with tarot because I, I stole my first deck back when I was 16 and I couldn't use it. There was blocks and it just wasn't working. And I would pull cards that were just, I mean, I, I would pull so many cards in a row that would give me these, you know, gnarly messages and, it, I didn't realize then what I realize now is that the integrity was off in my relationship with that deck. And so I mm-hmm. had a, I had a stained relationship with tarot for a very long time. I have corrected that since it's interesting. So I'm curious how you came to it, how you use it. Um, anything else you'd like to share?
1: Yeah, of course. So I actually had a, a bit of a Against it, I was fearful of it. I think it has a lot to do with my upbringing uh, growing up Catholic and mm. having those stereotypes towards it and seeing it as something not holy, something connected to Satan or to, um, I mean, even the connection to like lower class as well was a big part of my upbringing is seeing that those were practices that people that like higher class people didn't use or you know that bias and that was mostly just from my parents from my grandparents and having that those ideas ingrained into myself until I got older until I wanted to understand and open myself up a little bit but I it did take me a while to come around to it and it was initially very very difficult I had a lot of blockages as well and I Over time realized that those blockages were those things that were ingrained um, those thoughts that I would feed myself and like you said the integrity of of your relationship to the deck really is everything that deck is basically an extension of yourself
0: so divination we haven't defined it Um, how would you define it
1: anything that enables or fosters your connection to God.
0: I love that. I've often in classes, I used to teach anthropology of religion, and I would make the distinction between prayer and divination about the direction of the communication. That prayer is communicating from us to the divine, and divination is communication from the divine to us when we ask for it. And then I would add revelation is communication from the divine to us when we don't ask for it. (laughs) And, And these these were some very distinct or very neat distinctions that I've always enjoyed making, because sometimes it's called for prayer and sometimes it's called for divination. You know, when you have a question on your heart, sometimes prayer becomes the request for divination you say please grant me the wisdom grant me a sign and then you're asking for divination so a prayer can precede divination but the act of receiving that message again you've said it in so many different ways you have to make space for it you have to be open to it
1: mm-hmm. yeah and i i definitely see prayer and divination as the way to build that connection and relationship to whether it's your spirit guides, or your ancestors, or even just yourself. It's, you it's say, a conversation.
0: When you say yourself, do you differentiate levels of self? Like, do you have a sense of higher self and earthly self? Or how do you understand the complexity of self?
1: I guess the way that I see it as of right now is the part of myself that can see myself through the eyes of God is the way I would explain it right now.
0: Wow, 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 wow. I love that. The part of you that can see yourself through the eyes of God, that is a tall ask. I think a lot of us see ourselves through a very, very nasty, twisted, dark filter. We hold our failures and our mistakes and our misgivings and our cheats and betrayals we hold those against us but the way you said that i got this vision of the clearest possible view
1: yeah and that view i mean is not a constant for me i am human and i do have all those other (laughs) other things that you mentioned but when those glimpses do come through is my confirmation that mm. that connection, that relationship is there.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm right with you. I have moments of clarity where I can see myself as divine. And then right after that, right with those moments almost comes this very earthly, very critical, judgmental, who are you? to think of yourself as divine, you know, <laughs> that, that, that training we get that there is only one God, and, we, and you know, rather than a more complex understanding of God, that, that we are all maybe manifestations of God, or maybe we are all the portals where God comes into the world. We're the access and God needs us. Like we need God. And there's just different ways to understand what we mean by God. I use the word source, in the source wheel podcast because it, because it is the least burdened baggaged laden Mm -hmm. term that I've come across, but you seem to be comfortable with the term God.
1: Yes, I I am. And it took me a long time to, Mm -hmm. to get comfortable with the word God. I, I tried source, I tried spirit and that didn't really resonate for me. And I think it's kind of funny with me growing up in a Catholic household and rebelling against that in my teenage years and just being completely against religion and against anything that, that would potentially connect me to my, my family's uh, faith. But I feel that as I've journeyed through my path and just realized that it's a connection to myself and it's a part of myself, I've gotten more comfortable with the use of the word God. And that's usually with prayer is where that word became more comfortable to use.
0: Hmm. I like that. I I don't use the word source in practice. Um, I like the word divine, my divine, the divine, depending on how, what context I'm using. But I also grew up in a religious household and, the word God exclusively, especially when capitalized, has some stuff around it for me. It doesn't feel as clean. So using it is complicated when I'm speaking it, but when I'm feeling, meditating, then that's the, that's the term.
1: And I think that has a lot more to do with the connection and the relationship to it rather than the definition of it is the way that I've come to understand it is if I'm defining it based on my upbringing based on Catholicism then of course I'm going to feel negative towards it or I'm going to feel uncomfortable with it but then I came to the understanding that I could define it by my own terms and define Mm -hmm. it based on my experiences and that's where that comfort was able to grow
0: I'm curious. I've I've asked many people this, and I, and I like asking about gender and God. Do you? Mm-hmm. How do you handle that? Is it a male presence, both, neither?
1: Ideally, it would be neither. Uh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> but I feel that my default is always male, just the way that it's it's used in in the Bible and it's used using conversation is always male. I would want to remove that and have it be a neutral word for me, but I feel that just the way it rolls off my tongue tends to be through that lens.
0: Yeah. I'm with you. I was raised that way too. Uh, but I was raised by a feminist, a very subtle feminist minister mother who whenever the liturgy said to use he, him pronouns, she always just switched that out with God. So she never gendered God her whole career. And I always thought that was cool. So she worked in the field of non-binary um, gender rights way before it had anything to do with human genders, but more having to do with uh, just her outlet, the feminism. She didn't get to really stay in the streets fighting for feminism, raising four kids. But uh, I I've had a complex relationship with it because I have such a kinship with Kuan Yin, who's the goddess of compassion, and I don't know why. But again, I've just developed a resonance system, so I pay attention to synchronicity. I pay attention to subtle energies. I pay pay attention to what I'm attracted to and why, and I get I ask for confirmation if this attraction that I'm feeling towards this is. Going to raise my spirituality, or is it going to, you know, raise my materiality? And uh, Kuan Yin has been a very strong presence in my life, and I often wonder why am I so drawn to a female goddess, and not so drawn to this bearded man in the sky? (laughs) But then, but then, if I take a God's eye look at myself, I'm obsessed with Gandalf. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and so
0: it's like well maybe that's where i've placed my need for a divine masculine archetype is on a fantasy figure so it's just funny
1: <laughs> and i i think it's um how you mentioned archetypes i definitely think that in that sense it maybe is putting god in that role of that masculine or divine masculine uh, but it is very hard to think outside of those binary gender roles or those, those ways of male and female rather than divine masculine, divine feminine and separating those ideals.
0: I like that. That resonates with me a lot. I, I like to think that God is not formed, but that God is the energy that, that then takes form and takes whatever form we need to be able to recognize it as God. So I've always had that kind of understanding and that if God can show up for me in a frog one day or a dragonfly or a tree or, you know, like today, in fact, I'm sitting outdoors, but in a courtyard. So there was no trees above, no nothing, but a leaf nonetheless fluttered down and began to helicopter. It wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't one of those Weighted seeds with the you know with the helicopter, uh, floating pattern. I can't remember what they're called, um, but it did that, and it just was this moment. It was this breathtaking moment where everybody in the circle uh, just stopped and watched this thing spiral down until it hit the ground. And to me, that was a moment of divine intervention—not massive Old Testament awe kind of intervention, <laughs> but just. Just a moment of mindful pause, which to me is very sacred. And, yes. I, you know, I to me, that, for, that was God manifesting in that moment. You know, just be a beautiful little moment.
1: I really like that you shared that with me and that actually brought a, a question to mind that I think I'm going to be reflecting on from day to day is just asking myself, how did God show up for me today? Ooh. I, yeah, that, that came to mind right now, and I don't really sit to reflect, but I know that God shows up every day, and in ways like that, how you said with that leaf, or maybe a feather, or maybe seeing a new a new kind of bird, or getting a very fresh breeze on a very hot day.
0: Yeah, or even, um, and I'm I'm borrowing this from my wife. But even in those moments where you remember something you were about to forget, maybe that's a divine nudge. Maybe that's the divine helping you remember. You know, maybe it's not all about our memory and recall. And, you know, maybe there's actually something nudging. Those moments are pretty special, too. Like, I can't remember the recent one I had, but. I don't know. I have a lot of moments like that. I, I like to call them synchronicity. And my mom, who's a minister, you she used to call those synchronicities. She called them God's anonymous promptings. And I just love that.
1: That's beautiful.
0: Yeah. So I like that. I'm going to take that on. I, I think I already do take that on. I just look for ways. I, and I am very clear that I might be wrong. I like Pascal's wager argument. I don't know. I don't know anything from the from the place of this Western concept of knowledge, right? But I do have gnosis. I have a strong intuitive sense that it's real and that we're in relationship with what's beyond. And, and that to me, I, I'm okay. I'm okay not knowing. I like acting as if. And then I look for evidence, right? Confirmation bias. I mm-hmm. look for evidence, and I, I ascribe evidence all over the place. That's divine. That's divine. That's divine. Yeah. I love it.
1: I definitely think that's a. There's a very thin line between having it be something that um, that contributes to that faith, and then having it be like you said looking for that evidence to confirm that faith.
0: Yep. And being willing to have to look for evidence again tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, it's just the game. It's the game of never 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 trying to know. I have I have a poem that I wrote. I don't remember it. I don't commit my poems to memory most of the time, but it was titled In the Reaching. I think, no, it's in the reaching and it was all about reaching and not finding. And uh, I, I'm not the first person to say it, but it's just a, you know, it was a great riff on that idea that we're reaching the reaching itself is what opens us up, stretches us out, makes room. And then when we can make room, when we can make space, then that's where the divine is.
1: So I mm. guess one thing that's coming to mind with you saying that right now is being able to reach and being able to trust but then having expectations in that process
0: that complicates it, doesn't it? Mhm. Yeah.
1: I think that's where I struggle most is is releasing those expectations and then fully trusting and fully letting go and allowing the divine to decide.
0: Yeah. You said something earlier about letting go of negative energies, but you also said something about your old relationship patterns of kind of projecting an image onto somebody. And that's coming to mind again, that we do that. We do that to God. We project yeah. an image and we expect it to be that way. Or I think another, maybe not just an image, but we, we, ex- we project it and expect a time frame. We want things to happen immediately on this timeline, right? Um, But you have mentioned the Akasha and the Akashic records. And I'm curious if you could do your best to explain as if my audience knows nothing about what that means. This might be the first time they've ever heard it, which is probably true for many because this is not a very common concept. And in fact, you and I, I think when we first started talking more deeply that was a shared piece of knowledge that excited us both.
1: Yes. I got very excited to, to be able to speak about that with you. Um, definitely I can try to, I don't think I can define it, but I can, I don't know a little bit about my experience and how I perceive it. Um, Mm -hmm. very hard to define. This is a lot of pressure, but.
0: (laughs) How do you experience it? (laughs)
1: I experience it as, for me, my experience with it so far has been exactly that, releasing those expectations and realizing or allowing God to be limitless, because with those expectations is where I limit God in in allowing. Um, But for the Akashic Records themselves, the way that I learned it and the way that I understood it and the way that I've experienced it is basically a system of knowledge a system of divine knowledge that is your soul's history your soul's experience past you into the future into the past anything and everything that your your soul has experienced that your soul has felt any longing any pain is stored within the akashic records and it's a resource for us During this lifetime, in order to fulfill our soul's purpose, in order to remember our experiences, to remember our essence and connect to God through truth. Wow.
0: And so this is for everybody.
1: Everyone. Yeah. Everyone has their records. Everyone has the potential to access their records. Everyone is capable. It's just a matter of how and when come about and our records are there for us whether or not we connect to them whether or not we seek that out there's always that guidance there's always that knowing and anything and everything that is involved in our in our experience right now as humans is written
0: how does one access what are some of the ways you've accessed
1: personally i've accessed through prayer uh, that is the way that I learned to access and the way that I practice. Um, but there are various ways to access. People can access through dance, through creating music, through painting, singing, sun gazing, pretty much anything that your your soul resonates with, anything that, uh, you know, that space where you're, you're in the zone and you're able to focus and, and allow yourself to fully go with whatever activity it is that you're doing
0: across the liminal threshold yes
1: yes so pretty much anything that resonates with your soul in that sense can be accessed
0: wow well crystals for me (laughs) yeah yeah
1: and i know you had mentioned um, your experiences with the records as well i don't know if you'd like to share a little bit on your end
0: my experience at first was academic, or better said, theoretical. Um, I loved gra- I was a philosophy wannabe, and I was never smart enough to really be a philosopher or a philosophy student. But I took every philosophy class I could. I read every philosopher I could, and when I stumbled upon alternative philosophies, which included references to the Akashic records that concept that this existed and at the time i understood it to be not just individual soul records but star records earth records water records fire records all all elemental i mean just everything every form of being that's ever existed has a history and an interconnected web of histories so I understood it to be this place where you could access not just your own. I mean, to me, this was the theoretical concept for a time machine is that you could access anything. And you said future. I didn't quite grasp the future part because I'm still very linear in my time time constraints. Um, But for me, it was this idea that, that this was the concept that explained everything, everything unexplained for me about human beings. And I, I had an, uh, master. Well, I didn't quite, I had a bachelor's degree in anthropology and was pursuing a master's degree. So I was trying to study human beings. And this concept of Akasha was just like, oh, so this is what Buddha tapped into. This is what Jesus tapped into. This is what Muhammad was getting in the cave. This is like, this <laughs> is what ti- this is what ties everything together. And this is what ties me now into my access of being, or my ability to be able to access wisdoms that feel so elevated and so sacred and it's a way to remind myself that i'm not special i'm just tapping into something so i loved the whole concept of it i love the fact well the fact i love the phenomena that there was this i always like to call it the wall of wisdom that's it it, it goes to infinity right so if you imagine a wall goes from your right in front of your face all the way to affinity and all you have to do to read the whole wall is to elevate your consciousness and then you you'll just rise and you could read the top shelf (laughs) and that was always my conception of it that's how i made sense of it and so that was also encouraging of me to continue to practice meditation sacrifice fasting um divination of any sorts um what else? Even uh, ritual, uh, even rituals, which uh, I've used fire, smoke, water, earth, trying to use the elements. Um, so to be able to have the sense of that there is this something before I could personify it as God, it really worked to me to personify it as this wall of the kashik record before I was comfortable with coming back to God's goddesses and entities I really liked the Akashic records.
1: I really love the way that you detailed that. And it was very humbling to listen to. Thank you, Chip, for that. I definitely agree with the sense of it being or myself being just one link in that web of connectedness through the records. And I really, I really appreciate you sharing it that way. I think that was very beautiful and very humbling to hear.
0: What's so exciting is that we get to explain for ourselves the resonance that we feel, right? We felt a resonance. You and I, we felt it. We spoke to it. We have celebrated it and gotten to get close. And we did that perhaps because we have a shared web somewhere back there, (laughs) you know, maybe. And this is, this is where some people start talking about past lives I don't spend a lot of time thinking or talking about past lives. I I like to think that it might be true, but I feel very committed to a here and now frame. So I don't usually go there, but I do feel resonance, inexplicable connection. Like one of my friends who I had on my second season, um, who did the crystal meditations through the chakras with me, um, he and I feel like we literally, if not brothers, twins and if not twins, maybe we were the same person and somehow some glitch in the matrix, we got to be two bodies from a same soul, like twin flame kind of stuff. I feel so much resonance with him, so much kinship that right now, while I'm talking, he knows it, he feels it. And then he'll tell, he'll tell me later, what were you doing at, you know, eight o'clock? Were you
1: talking about <laughs> me? <laughs> you know, like
0: it's that connected and and I don't know what else explains that better than the Akashic Records. So I really yes. love that that you've had an experience with it. Um, because I don't also, like you, I don't get to talk about it with too many people.
1: Yeah, definitely. And now I'm curious to to eventually ask them if you're comfortable with it. Maybe I can ask them if, if there was something there in a past life that brought us back to this point.
0: Please do. I'd love to hear I'm not going to do that asking, because like I said, I tend to feel like my purpose, my soul's purpose, fulfilling my soul's purpose is to live this life very powerfully, almost in the conception that I've heard that maybe this is the one where I achieve moksha, you know, maybe this is the one where I release, you know, and, and get freed up and I don't have to keep coming back this idea from the Eastern philosophies uh let's let's start winding this one up and let's figure out if there's anything else we want to say capture it here in the canon before we do and then i do want to ask you what you're up to and how people can find you
1: okay um one thing that i did want to kind of go back to was how we were discussing that connection with the divine and then our humanness and getting those glimpses of God mm-hmm. I just wanted to get more of your perspective on that maybe through an anthropological lens and I know you've mentioned that that course of, of religion maybe if mm-hmm. you could touch on that a little bit more
0: I don't know that I can do that um, I did teach the anthropology of religion course and I, I kind of went through it as a structural functionalist mm-hmm. and I talked about how different anthropologists tried to make sense of god from different perspectives whether the reductionist right or like Mircea eliad who's one of my favorites he said that god was irreducible to academia so quit trying and he critiqued all the that had gone before to try to dismissively reduce religiosity spirituality to some neurotic function if you're Freud or to some societal function, if you're Durkheim or, you know, something like that. Right. Or some, uh, actually Tyler, uh, Edward Burnett, Tyler used to say it was, you know, religion was just a placeholder until science caught up. And mm. that was just such a diminishing and validating and really unimaginative interpretation of all the religious forms on the planet. So I don't know if I could answer this question about the the divine self. I mean, I've always loved this. I've always loved this concept of the overview effect that's been studied. Um, Some examples are given when the, when the astronauts looked back on earth from the moon voyage that changed humanity's perspective of itself forever because they gave us such you know, they, Carl Sagan called it the pale blue dot Mm -hmm. theory, this idea that once we could really see how the earth was a oneness, a wholeness, a completeness without, you know, without borders and, you know, fences and difference. Um, I like those kind of moments where the eye above um, I've often thought, that freud was probably just misguided but probably in some way talking about some of the same things when he talked about the unconscious if you read his definition of the unconscious it's very similar to the akashic record he's talking about this i mean it, it's bound in a linear history and it's bound to the individual but he says that your soul which is the latin term for psyche or it's the it's what psyche means it was actually soul, not mind, like it's come to mean now, but that your soul remembers every imprint of every behavior, every thought, every mood, every experience that you've ever had. it's all there in the unconscious that's the that's the akashic record in a small way yeah um, and then and then Carl Jung comes along and says, Well, what about the collective unconscious, which is now adding the collective back into it um So I really love kind of playing with psychologists and reinterpreting them as spiritual, even if they didn't intend or maybe explicitly said that they weren't, because I like, again, like I confirmation bias, I like to see spirit in everything. Um, So for me, that's, I don't know. I think one more piece Um, in my own healing, I have suffered a traumatic car accident I was the driver. So I suffered a lot of surviving guilt Mm -hmm. and it was, it's been very hard in my life to think highly of myself because I did something so tragic and, and my healing has come from being able to see myself the way loved ones see me. So I think this is kind of coming around to answering in my own way, your interest is that, It's not my view of myself, which is very tainted and complicated. But to borrow the listening of others, when others say to me, like you did, you hold me very dearly. I think so much of you and I think that you have credibility. And then all of a sudden I'm dear because you say so. And it's this ability to be able to own my own specialness, my own worth through the eyes of another. And really, maybe that is the God's eye view of me. I'm a special human being because people love me and maybe those people are just God coming to me to give me that reminder to heal me in that way. Does that make sense?
1: Yes, it does. And I definitely resonate with that. And now I'm realizing that everyone's point of view is the point of view of God and everyone's eyes are the eyes of God. And for you to get that sense of self and that connection to those parts that maybe consciously or when, when you get into those headspaces you're not able to see yourself in that way, but to get that through the, the point of view of someone else is, f- from my perspective now, God granting me mm-hmm. that. And, and how you said um, your, your mom, what did she call it again? When God's God.
0: anonymous prompts,
1: yeah, and those yeah. prompts are yeah through through your loved ones through the people that see you in that way that how you show up, and they're able to witness that
0: and reflect that for me. All right, Barbara, I guess I want to thank you first. I was going to thank you after, but I'm really feeling a welling in my heart of gratitude for you for being. The kind of human being that looks past the surface, that doesn't just punch in, punch out, you know, do the nine to five, never ask questions and just, you know, sleep through life. Um, I appreciate that you're someone who leans in. You're someone that reaches, you're someone that asks more of this world than just what's presented on the surface. I like that about you very much. And I've really enjoyed talking with you.
1: Thank you, Chip. I appreciate that. And I do do the nine to five, but I try to make space for anything beyond that and anything else that is needed of me in this experience.
0: Yeah, you can, like Alan Watts said, you can make any work play. You can make any work a spiritual experience. Yeah. All right, so let's tell our listeners uh, where to find you and what it is that you do. And if you have a service that you offer that you'd like to plug, this is a chance to do that.
1: Okay, perfect. Thank you. So, once again, my name is Barbara. I'm really happy to be here today. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Twin Sons Divine is my current page for anything divination, tarot, eventually Akashic Records. As of right now, I will be providing services in the upcoming months. So right now is a perfect time to tap in, get in touch and be there for when those services drop.
0: Wow, how awesome. I want to plug your services. And I want to say also, we're plugging what you offer, not because that's what you came here to do. This was not a conversation in service of a plug. This was a plug in service of those listeners who actually at the end of this episode would say to themselves, wow, she's fascinating. I want more, right? So that's what this is. Um, and I participated in one of your... Um, I. I don't know what you call it. It was a new moon distance, it was a, new moon,
1: a group ritual. Yes.
0: Thank you. Although um, it was distance, which was so unique for me because all I had to do was tune in at the time you'd set and just lay down and open up my channels to receive, or it wasn't just receive. I actually felt like I was also opening up my challenge, my channels, so that you could see me. And that was Interesting. I don't know if that was the instructions, but I that part I was very distinct for me. Um, I, I just felt like you came through. Um, my skeptic said, "You know, why am I doing this alone in my room? <laughs> you know what is what is the value of doing this?" And yet I did it, and I did it with integrity. And then when you sent the response, what you got out of the ritual, there was this confirmation, the sense of, oh, she is one of these, you know, wind walkers. She is one of these people that travels. um, I I, I don't want to call it astral travel, but it felt like that, the sense that you could be where you were, but you could also like collect the energy of me where I was and thread it like you were weaving a blanket um it it was very cool I just felt so cared for even though you you couldn't see me hear me you know none of that
1: yeah it was cool yeah.
0: yeah it was a cool distance connection
1: yeah and majority of my services are distance and they are remote I do recall when opening your channel I felt your presence and I gave you a hug and that oh. hug felt so real. It was, it was the only time I've been able to physically feel that, that connection. And it was really nice. I did feel your presence in that moment. So thank wow. you for allowing me to connect with you in that way, Chip. I really enjoyed it. And I'm very grateful.
0: All right. That was our episode. Hope you enjoyed. And you can find contact information for our guest in the show notes. Take care of yourselves. Thanks for joining.